Welcome to the ICS South Branch podcast with me, your host, Nathaniel Pickett. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing a range of guests about the latest projects, ideas and methods in civil engineering. To find out more about the latest events in the branch or this podcast, follow us on Twitter at ICE underscore South Branch or search ICE South Branch on LinkedIn. This month, I talk with our guest about how the tools of the digital age are improving the data captured on sites. I'm joined by a high-flying land surveyor whose business provides clients with a wide range of surveying services using cutting-edge terrestrial 3D laser scanning and drone technology. Coming from outside the industry, Ian's move into construction, setting up his own business, ProDrone Works, with an X. Focusing on improving data deliverables, he has helped his clients gain a deeper data insight leading to better collaboration and risk reduction on projects. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Ian Tanzi. Thanks, Tanya. That's a fantastic introduction. Uh, Brilliant. Very, very good. (laughs) How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And I really hope I haven't stolen anything else uh, for what we're going to talk about. Otherwise, it might be quite a short podcast. Hopefully hopefully not. You haven't stolen my thunder there. I think there's a lot more that we can talk about. This this, uh, new, innovative industry. Fantastic. Uh, and now, before we start talking about some of the innovations industry, uh, I'd like to sort of, yeah. I'd like to find out sort of the backgrounds of people and how they've sort of got into uh, construction. Mm. Uh, originally, you didn't work in construction, but you moved into it. What was oh. what was your move, and yeah. why are you motivated to do that? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a long story. So, um, like my background is. Like obviously went to university and all that. I studied, I kind of focused on business studies and marketing. And then as kind of time progressed within university, I kind of focused on more of the technology side of the business. So I was always kind of into like database, internet, web page design, etc. Um, and once that finished, I had moved into working in the financial services industry working in uh, market research, problem development. So like a lot of my core skill set is around data analytics, project management and communication. So I focus on that for probably probably the nearly the guts of 20 years. And like even though, you know, it was a completely different industry, financial services, asset management, um, I think it's really kind of it's really kind of proved um, you know, how useful it is going into this industry. Uh, I wouldn't say that any of the skills that I've picked up over the last 20 years have been kind of completely not used. Uh, I, I see them kind of as adding, you know, a huge amount of value add to our clients now and, and will add in, in, in the future. Uh, but essentially, like the reason I got into the construction industry and into this into this part of kind of the, what I call digital surveying, digital engineering side of things is, you know, I spotted um, a gap in the marketplace that was going back maybe five years ago so you know seems like a long time now but uh, you know coming from the background where research product development was key to me I was always kind of into new technologies and I started to like see trends taking place where you know innovative companies within the construction infrastructure and then asset inspection markets kind of were starting to kind of dip their toe in the in the, in the, in the in the water when it came to the kind of the use of drone technology. So, you know, did a, spent a lot of time researching the market, um, you know, did a business case. And so there was a huge gap and decided to 
launch a business. Plus as well, I do have like a family background within construction, both in Ireland and in the UK. So a lot of my family are kind of from a kind of an engineering uh, construction background. So I wouldn't say I'm completely wet behind the ears. So I know a bit about the industry, uh, which I think has paid paid dividends to me as well as I, as I kind of developed the business over the last over the last five years. And as well as that, I kind of wanted to bring kind of a, a lot of innovation and a kind of a professional approach to the surveying, inspection, and then kind of modeling modeling markets or elements of it. It's quite an entrepreneurial start into the industry uh, and a non-traditional yeah. method. And it's quite interesting you talk about the fact you've had quite a lot of skills from working in the financial industry. Uh, mm. And you find there's a lot of transferable skill there that have um, helped yeah. you grow your business uh, and, and work in the construction industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, some like, you know, if I think back to when I first started the business, you know, four, four years ago, a lot of the meetings I had with clients, you know, we were kind of initially pushing drone technology to be used on projects when it comes to like surveying, inspections, you know, tracking and monitoring of projects, etc. But a lot of our clients kind of really liked our professional approach and they found that a lot of that was kind of lacking within the industry, uh, that there wasn't kind of that level of professionalism, you know, good communication, project management, uh, which we kind of bring, bring to the industry but industry. And it's kind of really, really, really served us well. So like we're continuing to win business and, you know, companies like like our approach to, I suppose, both the, the data capture element of it and I suppose the project project management and communication. Because, you know, we always, you know, if I go back to my, you know, asset management industry experience in financial services, you know, projects, you know, fail or excel based on, you know, project planning. So, like, if you don't have, you know, project brief in place with your objectives, your project scope, you know, what's in scope, what's out of scope, um, you know, what are your deliverables, how the technology will be used, you know, what systems it will be used on, you know, it's, it's pretty much doomed to fail. We want to get that right uh, from the very, very start. Uh, so, you know, it does involve some conversations with clients about, you know, pinning down what exactly they're after. And then as a result of that, being able to kind of develop a solution that meets their, meets their needs. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting. I think that communication piece at the start uh, is very important that when you have a lot of uh, stakeholders and what you're trying to do uh, and pinning mm. it down, you set expectations. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and I, I assume that attributes to some of the success that ProDrone has had uh, and as it continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We think it's a vital, a vital, vital factor to you know the success of, of, of the industry, and it's you know not, not just a success for us, but you know we succeed, clients succeed, everybody's everybody everybody's happy because you know we are in an industry where you know there is a kind of a lot of waste happening. Uh, you know margins are very very thin. If you look at you know sort of the average margin that's earned within the construction industry, you know somewhere between three and five percent. Like those margins are very tight. Mm-hmm. So you don't have much room for room for error, but you know if we can if we can help help with that, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, talking maybe moving on to some of our more main discussion points, uh, you talk about talking to the client, but actually raising awareness and educating people in regarding the use mm. of drone technology in particular on your projects. Uh, yeah, why would people use drones over traditional survey methods? Yeah, for, for it's 
the, what, I'll say, what I'll say from what I'll say from the start is um, you know drones are not the be all and end all, and they're not to be used in all kind of situations. And I think a lot of that is kind of driven by. Uh, you know, lack of professionalism within the industry, lack, lack of education, lack of awareness of where drones fit in. Because essentially, you know, drones are another tool to capture information. Mm. So like, you know, really clients should be coming at it from, you know, what am I trying to, what's the problem? What am I trying to, to uh, what's the solution to solve that problem? Uh, so you know the drones. Drones shouldn't be kind of the driving factor to say, well, I have a problem with X. You know, I want to get a drone in to do that. You know, you kind of look at the whole issue holistically and then decide what's the best kind of technology to use. Uh, and drones, you know, for, not, not for not for all, but for a lot of things, they are very useful. Particularly when it comes to kind of you know large sites where you know data needs to be captured quickly, turned around quickly. And where the client, you know, is happy with happy with centimeter accuracy rather than kind of millimeter accuracy. Mm. And I think uh, images are very powerful tools uh, in the right in the right yeah. scenario as well. Yeah, and kind of, you know, a lot of our lot of you know people that we meet, you know, come back four years ago and even up to you know up to this day, you know, the technology uh, can produce and provide and deliver much more than actually images. Yeah. So a drone is a device that uh, you know it can capture video, which could be used, for, let's say, for marketing purposes, or uh, it can be used for you know project updates to you know, various different stakeholders. But then it also captures images, mm. and those images, uh, you know, really high resolution. They are the drone essentially will capture hundreds or thousands of images of a of a project or an asset. Those images then are processed using software called photogrammetry, and photogrammetry essentially tri- triangulates all of those images, you know, finds common pixels, and at the end of it, it can produce a survey grade accurate, you know, two D or three D model yeah. that can be tied into an OS grid or could be tied into a local grid. Um, so, like you know, you can produce various different outputs from that. And you know some of those outputs can be a two D ortho mosaic, which can be brought into the likes of AutoCAD, and you can put your CAD designs on top of it, and you can actually use it to, uh, I suppose, compare the as build versus design. Like we've had projects as well where we worked on for some clients, particularly like when it comes to, let's say, like for for roof areas where it's hard to use traditional methods to to survey a roof. Like we've been able to design. Uh, from the 2D mosaic and from the point cloud, we've been able to create like a 3D or a 2D CAD model. You can actually create Revit models from them as well. And there's a big lack of awareness, I think, within the industry as to how the technology can be can be used. And what sort of feedback have you had from your clients when you know you agree that this is what they want and you identify that using a drone survey is the right thing? What sort of mm. feedback do you get? Yeah, feedback is feedback is very very positive. Um, like you know, once once clients are on board and you know they see and use the initial deliverables, they constantly uh, well not not constantly, but they continually want to kind of use the technology for more and more projects. Like we started off talking to some of our clients, 
Uh, some of our big clients, like these are tier one construction infrastructure companies, you know, three and a half years ago using that technology. And they were kind of really technology innovators. Mm. And, you know, they used the technology on one project. And, you know, there was probably like a long lead in time of maybe six months to a year to get a bit of traction within these organizations so they could show their colleagues, show employees and say, look, here's project X that we're working on at the moment. You know, we've used drone technology on the project. We've produced all these different point clouds, orthomosaics, meshes, um, you know, digital elevation models, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and once that's kind of pushed out within the organization and people start to become familiar and know well, how the technology can and can't be used, well, then they start to say, well, you know, for other projects we're working on, can the technology be, be applied? Like, you know, we currently use, we use a traditional method to, you know, inspect or survey or model a site or an asset this way. Mm. But maybe could we use drone technology instead of that to actually carry out the work, you know, quicker, cheaper, faster more and more efficiently? Um, so yeah, there's there's the feedback we get is, is 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 excellent, and you know the more companies use the technology, I think the more the more the, it's got like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it uh, becomes more widely used all the, all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, as I understand, it's uh, it, yeah a correct application. I think because uh, I think a lot of people, and actually that'll probably come to kind of question yeah. I last now is actually yeah how accurately how accurate are some of the surveying methods you can use on the drones uh engineers yeah myself we like we worked at a relatively low to- tolerance uh sometimes <laughs> a very very low tolerance depending on the project yeah uh yeah. and maybe that's what people will get turned off because they're trying to apply it to situations where maybe it's not yeah. appropriate absolutely yeah like you've you know you've hit the nail on the head you know it's you know the technology has its place. Uh, you know, it can achieve centimeter level accuracy, no problem at all. You know, when you want to get down to millimeter accuracy, it's slightly, it's slightly different. And like when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, let's say a construction project. Um, but if you're talking about different part of the market which we operate in, which is, um, let's say, the surveying or inspection of kind of structural assets so it could be you know a viaduct a bridge mm-hmm. uh steel you know a, a, a column on a, on, a, on a road surface the accuracies actually can get down to millimeter um and like that's something that a lot of clients and a lot of a lot of people don't 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 really know essentially what you're doing is you're doing kind of very close range uh close, close range photogrammetry um, so let's say, like, two, let's say, take two examples. So, like, one example is where you survey a construction site. Let's say it could be a, a linear road, it could be, you know, a linear gas pipeline, etc. Typically, mm-hmm. you might fly, you know, anywhere between fifty and hundred meters in the air. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're, the, the further you are away from 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 the asset or the objects you're surveying. Um, how, how, how do I put this right? Um, yeah, the further you are away from the assets, the, the accuracies do get into this, like the centimeters. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fine for, for a big, big linear project. But then if you're talking about like, um, let's say the inspection of, uh, let's say a bridge or a, or a viaduct column, 
you could essentially be maybe two or three meters away from that viaduct. And what you're doing is you're taking, you know, hundreds of images of an asset or an object or a structure. And, um, you know, you can also use control within that. So the, 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 the information, the models can be tied into like an OS grid or a local grid. And in that instance, you can get millimeter accuracy. And we've, we've got, we've got that on projects. Well, that's uh, that's quite interesting. It's quite quite phenomenal that you, you are able to achieve that in the right circumstances as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you touched a bit on it before that you know a drone is a platform on which you can mm. attach sensors to to achieve your surveying aims. What, yeah, what sensors are there on the market, sort of readily available that that you you use, uh, and yeah. how and how do they sort of work? uh without well depends how yeah. technical you want to get yeah uh, yeah we're, we're trying not get we're trying not get too too technical because uh, you know we probably need hours to, to talk <laughs> about this but typically your i suppose your your two widely most most used sensors are like an rgb type camera so that's your standard let's say dslr type camera mm-hmm. where it takes you know, uh, coloured images of of an object or, or a site. Um, so that so that's that that's your first sensor. And there's different types of lenses you can use. You know, different types of um, cameras with different types of megapixels and frame rates. And you know, the higher the higher the megapixels and the bigger the I suppose the sensor that's on it, like a you know full 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 frame sensor, yeah. etc. The better the imagery that's captured, and then better the models that you uh, you'll be able to provide as deliverables mm-hmm. the other option is uh, lidar and you know lidar is essentially you know what is a light light imaging and detection and ranging so it's essentially like a specialized unit that's designed for a drone uh, it's lightweight it's attached to the drone and it essentially sends out a laser beam to a surface and from that, you can create point clouds. And actually, we've used that on a lot of a lot of, a lot of projects over the last couple of years. It's particularly useful if you wanted to survey large areas where there's a lot of vegetation. Yeah. So, like, if you take if you take, for example, let's say like a forested or wooded area, or there's uh, let's say a site uh, where there's a lot of vegetation, um, and you want to be able to kind of get ground measurements. You know, traditionally, what you do is you you know, put boots on the ground. You have somebody in with a with a GPS, or you'd use you know use a total station, traverse the data, etc. Okay. Uh, it takes a huge, it takes a very very long time. Uh, lidar, uh, it's not magic. Uh, that's that's what I say. So you know, it, it needs to be able to kind of penetrate through the vegetation. Yeah. And when I say penetrate, it does, doesn't mean it can see through leaves or see through trees. But it finds though because you're sending out something like seven hundred thousand beams a second, some of those beams will find a gap in the vegetation yeah. and they'll penetrate down through to the ground. So you get your ground measurements from that. Like typical ground measurements we get are anywhere between between 50, 50 and hundred mil of global global accuracy, which is which is pretty good um, for the vast majority of projects and then from that we can produce a digital surface and a digital terrain model as a, as a point cloud we've actually just done a very large survey in the last couple of weeks uh, using using lidar 
uh, attached to to an airplane for a big long linear infrastructure project. Wow! Uh, if if you imagine traditional methods to survey that versus um, versus the use of a drone or, or an airplane, I'm just really kind of talking about the sensor. Uh, you know, you're talking about weeks, weeks and weeks of difference. You know, getting landowners' permissions, where you don't have such issues when it comes to the use of a like an airplane or, or a drone to a more limited extent. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's quite a a powerful example there. Uh, mm. um, yeah, and I'm actually yeah, there must be there's definitely going to be a market for there uh, putting a sensor on, on the bottom of an aircraft. Uh, Absolutely. Do, do you know of any sort of emerging future sensors that, that are being developed and worked upon that might be market you know, ready in the next five years or three years? Uh, yeah, like there's, you know, there's thermal imaging sensors that are available in the marketplace for the last couple of years. Like they're used for like, you know, heat loss, sleep detection. Um, we use those widely on, on, on projects. You have uh, Roxy working on an interesting project at the moment using a methane gas sensor, uh, which de- detects levels of methane within, say, uh, different types of projects across across the UK. There are other sensors that are currently being marketed. I know there's one sensor which I can't remember what it's called now, but it's it, it's, it's, a, it's like a metal gauge sensor. Mm. So essentially, it's attached to the drone. Uh, you. You, you fly the draw, let's say you're flying towards a uh, bridge structure and you want to find you know, the thickness of the, of the metal, understand its composition. Uh, this thing, you put it up against it by flying the drone and it can, it can, it can measure the gauge thickness. Uh, I don't know the ins and, in, ins and outs it. of it. I know there's some, yeah. That's pretty impressive. And uh, I think it'd be fascinating mm-hmm. to see as, as, as this market develops and grows mm. where, where the sensor is going to be you know they were what, yeah. 10 years ago where they were and where they are now and you know yeah. wh- where it's going to be moore's law sort of half the time uh half the size <laughs> and double the pa- pa- power so yeah. it'll be interesting absolutely see, see, see so i know there's yeah i know there's, there's other marks other sensors on the market like gpo or ground penetrating radar type mm. type sensors as well where you have to fly maybe a couple of meters above ground level with some type of special radar on the top on the bottom of the drone, which can, yeah. can be used for like utility type surveying as well. I mean, the time it could save, uh, and you don't have to go around pushing it around, you know, application yeah. of it, it could, could be quite interesting. Uh, Absolutely. Now, we talked about all this lovely data uh, that you've been capturing and that you capture for your clients. How mm. do you manage that data? Uh, because uh, yes. uh, there's huge amounts of it uh, and what do you do with it you know there's what terra and terabytes and terabytes i'm sure when you say if you do a bridge in a very detailed survey yeah yeah it's uh yeah well, that's kind of the, that's that's that becomes the tricky trick situation like it's fine for kind of let's say like a relatively normal type site you know let's say a site 10 20 30 40 50 acres uh, you know, when you start to get going into like bigger projects like, you know, the 60 kilometer route we talked about, um, you know, you're talking about, uh, what is it, something like, I think the one of the Orton mosaics that we produce, which is like a 2D, 2D digital map, uh, which is exactly the same as a, an OS map. So it's ortho rectified and geo-referenced. You can take measurements from it. 
Mm. For that 60 kilometer route, I think it's coming out of something like 600 gigabytes wow. in size. So it's absolutely, absolutely massive. And, you know, we always kind of say to clients, you know, you need to think about not just um, you know, what you want in terms of deliverables, but how you, how you, how you can manage that data and how you can actually handle it. And we are starting to kind of suggest to clients probably over the last course of, oh, sorry, <coughs> probably over the course of the last year or so that they should you know, look at using cloud-based systems, mm-hmm. which essentially kind of host all this information, do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, so they can access this 600 gigabyte 2D Orton Mosaic or 100 gigabyte file yes. you know, through a web browser. You know, there's no specialized PCs and hardware that, that you need or software. All the heavy lifting is done in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And like the systems are becoming so sophisticated now as well that you can bring in design models. So like if you want to bring in your, uh, you know, DXF, you know, DWG files uh, for a site and start to do comparisons, you can you can do that. So you can start to compare the as-built versus design. So, you know, recently, you know, some of the projects that we've recently done, some of the big linear infrastructure projects, some of our clients are now starting to use these cloud-based platforms because they see the huge benefits, uh, you know, of using this information across an organization. Because, you know, it's one thing getting the information to, let's say, Joe blogs in company A, mm. but how does Joe share that information across his organization with his colleagues? Yeah. Because they all need special types of hardware. Where you're, you're looking at like gaming type laptops and PCs, mm. you know, it has to be put up on servers. Like if you're out on a in a site office uh, with you know, kind of limited connectivity, yes. uh, you're, going to, you're, you're going to struggle. Whereas, you know, if you have a cloud-based platform, as long as you have a half-decent internet connection, you can do all the analysis, calculations, measurements, et cetera, through these cloud platforms. But it's, it's, it's amazing, though, because the, it's, it's very, very new within the industry. So, like, you know, the use of drone technology, you know, we're getting to a stage now where... I wouldn't say it's, it's widely used. We're, I think we're far from that. It's becoming more widely used. Mm-hmm. But the use of cloud-based platforms, it's still in its infancy. I think, uh, yeah, I think of- we, we started with OneDrive. I know my, my business uh, works on OneDrive, but uh, cloud-based yeah. software, I think, still feels a long way off where that rendering or any, as you say, the heavy lifting mm. of processing power is done remotely. I, yeah. I, I still yet to come across that in... In practice, but I'm a contractor. I don't know what's it like in the design office. Yeah, I think a lot of companies as well have kind of security issues. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. they're thinking about well, where is my, who has my data, where is it stored, who can access it. But you know, the data is it's secure as you know having your bank details up on the on, on the internet and logging into your Barclays bank to check your multi-million pound bank account working in uh, uh you know, all those years it'd be interesting have you have you got any sort of examples where um using this is this as built versus design has actually helped clients uh and given feedback uh using sort of the the data you've captured for less learned lessons in the future yeah yeah so like you know, a lot of our clients um you know, really kind of start to see the benefits when they 
start using the data. So they think at the start of a project that you know will use the information for X, Y, and Zs, but they find as it becomes kind of more widely embedded within the company and more greatly adopted that it's being used in different by different people in different departments. So let's say, for example, like we've worked on projects where initially the on-site teams want to use the 2D and 3D digital outputs to take measurements, do cut and fill, mm-hmm. um, you know, track as built versus design. But then other departments like offsite are starting to use it as well. So like health and safety can use it. So like health and safety departments can do do checks on site. They can look at the imagery, the models at various different different times. They can access it through a cloud or through through a server. You know, site logistics and planning. So we're finding that like inductions as well, like site inductions. So you have all this digital information. So it's all about kind of leveraging the information acquired across different across different departments. Um, so the, the use case becomes becomes more and more. But I think I think companies it takes time for companies to get comfortable with the information. Mm. And then it's it takes time for you know colleagues in different uh, departments and organizations to kind of understand how they can kind of leverage leverage this information. I think it's like it's like going back to the iPhone when it first came came out. You know, people are saying, oh, sure, why, why do I need an iPhone? Should I have a phone? I, I can just do calls and texts on it. And that's, that's, that, that's, that's enough. Yeah. And, you know, it took the iPhone, I don't know, three, three or four years kind of really kind of the, the, take off. The invention of apps and 3G, and when people realized yeah. how convenient it was, that, you know, the, the fact that it can make phone calls is probably the thing that people don't even think about anymore when they buy a mobile phone. Yeah, absolutely. It's, absolutely it's what else you can do with it uh which is the yeah. powerful bit yeah so, so i think as well like it's, it's, sorry to drop the thing as well like you know a lot of our time in the kind of covid era as well where like you know site um, site visits are becoming less you know more and more people are working from home mm. like this all of this digital information let me capture through a terrestrial laser scanner or you know a, a drone or an airplane or, or whatever like this information can be accessed uh, from any location. Uh, so, you know, people can still carry on with planning, design, logistics work uh, from wherever they're located without having to visit visit sites. So it cuts back mm. on individuals having, having to visit sites again. And even actually thinking back about it, like we've had some clients where even in pre-COVID times, they've said, look, you know, we're working on a project, we find, you know, colleagues are attending site every couple of months because they need to check A, B and C on site. Uh, whereas if we have all these digital models, so let's say they want to take a measurement and find out, well, will this new, new unit we're buying, will it fit in the, the, the doorway or the garage door? Um, you know, I have to go to visit site to take those measurements if you have all these digital models, you can do those measurements from your office without having to visit visit sites. So there's huge kind of time cost savings for for, for people as well. And, and I'm assuming, yeah, if you go back to a site and you you say you survey at regular intervals, you're able to layer these on top of each other to, to sort of monitor changes and progress. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can visualize. You can visualize those changes. You know, you can like we we worked on the A14 project between Huntingdon and Cambridge. I think that was probably the biggest road project in the UK. It was mm. delivered six to nine months ahead of schedule, and we surveyed uh, a 13 kilometer stretch of that project back in 2018, 2019. And it took us two days to capture the information using a drone, use a fixed wing drone with RTK, PPK technology built in. Mm-hmm. And you know, the client worked it out that it would have taken them, I think, two, two to three weeks with a team of four or five surveyors to survey that whole route. Um, but what the client was able to yeah, it's unbelievable. I was going to say, and that, that's just the survey. That isn't even the writing off of the survey. <laughs> exactly. You know, the data processing side of things yeah. as well. But the, the client essentially was able to build up a picture of how the A14 had progressed over time. Mm. And they were able to do comparisons between the as-build versus design. So we're able, they were able to kind of feed that into the program to see where across this road projects so are we had a schedule behind schedule they were also able to use it for uh, calculations for dart works so they were able to at any stage or any section of that 13 kilometers they were able to cut fill assessments plus they were also able to because we had surveyed it on a regular monthly basis mm. they were able to do comparisons and say well you know this month we've shifted shifted x million cubic meters of earth, they were able to show that to the client and they were able to um, they were able to build the client for the actual amount of earth shifted rather than kind of using using guesstimates. Uh, but yeah, having the information kind of allowed them to make comparisons between different time periods, which they couldn't really do in the past. Well they could they could do it, but it just takes them so long. Yeah. This project has moved on so much. Yeah, by the time you'd surveyed it, it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. You'd have to go back and do it again. <laughs> start start again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Ex- exactly. And and you you achieve that in two days and and, and a bit of time uh, at your yeah. laptop. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I think even like a even as a highways is a highways England, but actually I think they've now changed their name to uh, what is this National Highways. Mm-hmm. So they've even just just today kind of came out with their kind of having a digital twin uh, version of the road road network. Yeah. Um, so for them having this information both internally and for you know people driving the road would be would be would be huge as well. I think they're planning to use it for. You know, predicting the location of potholes and other maintenance type type issues as well. Uh, that's really interesting, uh, actually, how it's being utilised in terms of land surveying uh, to to feed into bigger bigger models that are not just for uh, the construction, but actually for the life mm. life cycle analysis uh, yeah. of of projects. Uh, Absolutely, and feeding and one, into one, that one. asset management piece. Uh, which says civil engineers uh, sometimes we do tend to forget. Yeah, absolutely, and, and like we're we're kind of again we're kind of pushing the boundaries as well. So like you know, we're starting to work with the kind of global global engineering company using AI and machine learning, mm. uh, you know, to look look at data captured from could be from a drone or could be from like a helicopter or an airplane, and being able to um, 
you know, make predictions and be able to analyze hundreds of thousands of images uh, and being able to get, identify defects. So, for example, like in, on, on that road, on the, on the national highways, uh, digital twin play a platform or, or, or rollout. Um, you know the, the the imagery can be can be used to identify potholes. So if you cap if you if you capture imagery that's high resolution enough, and you know if you're talking about the road network in the in the UK, you're talking about you know hundreds of thousands of yeah. kilometers of road. Uh, you're talking about massive amounts of imagery. Mm. Uh, you know, having a person look at those images individually. Is just it's mind boggling. It's, it's probably a boring, boring job. Whereas you know, let's let's have a have a computer, a machine look at it and make those make those assessments. That's yeah. That's that's actually it's a very good point. That's quite a powerful use of of AI uh, and how it's being yeah. integrated into into asset management uh, and picking up on those yeah. natural faults. Um, yeah, the mind boggles really. Uh, what is achievable and where will be? Uh-huh. Absolutely, like in ten years' time, fifteen years' time, you know, that's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be unbelievable how this 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 market grows. Yeah, exciting, exciting times ahead. I think it's, it's been really exciting. Uh, I, Ian, it's been really, really fascinating uh, learning about digital surveying, what you do within your your business, how how you started the business as well, uh, and it seems that you've really picked your market right. Uh, at the right time that you know there was a need for it and then it just seems to be expanding and getting better and going from strength to strength uh Mm, absolutely uh, and and i mean we've looked at some really interesting things we started off talking about the importance of project management uh project planning and communication uh as a business or working with other other people uh and other organizations outside your your business uh and then going on about data, data capture and photogrammetry and the, and the power of it, and actually the, the different types of accuracy that can be achieved, uh, and, and maybe yeah. maybe we shouldn't snub it, and we should think about how we apply it a little bit better. Uh, yeah, and it's another it's another tool, a digital tool in our in our physical toolbox that we can use, mm. uh, especially doing that um, assessment in those hard to reach places. Uh, to, yeah. to I, I didn't, you know, I always thought, you know, it'd be a couple you know, centimetre, half metre accuracy would be good. But uh, with the millimetre accuracy on structures, uh, when you're doing a detailed photogrammetry, it's, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just to finish off, like on one project we worked on for a client, we looked at two different data capture methods. One of them was a terrestrial laser scanner mm. and the other one was uh, high resolution images use produce producing you know 2d and 3d model using photogrammetry essentially what the client wants to be able to do is they want to be able to look at defects on a viaduct on a column on a structure on a bridge in high detail yeah and you know the laser scanner you know they're brilliant but it just didn't give you that kind of level of detail and we did we we used high resolution images processed using photogrammetry and the level of detail is unbelievable like even we were kind of shocked at uh, the level of detail on the point clouds and the client was massively impressed and we're now actually rolling this technology out as we as we speak on a fairly large piece of stru- of uh, infrastructure uh, within, within the uk wow well i'd, I'd- 
excited to see uh when when that comes out uh i'll keep keep an eye on your website i know you're on social media uh and yeah you have your own website you, you publish articles of, and case studies of of how uh you guys are using digital surveying for your clients yeah absolutely we are we are indeed on linkedin and we're on on, on on the web as well fantastic and uh for listeners as well we'll be in the uh, comment section uh comment section in the description uh, of the podcast if, if you are interested well Ian, unless you've got anything else to say, it's been it's been really, really inform, uh, really, really formative in, in, in terms of finding out uh, about digital surveying. I've walked, uh, I'll walk away from this uh, knowing a bit better, uh, and, and look forward to yeah. potentially working working with yourself in the future. Thank you for listening to the ICE South Branch podcast with me, your host, Nathaniel Pickett. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends, families and colleagues. You can also find out about the latest branch events and news by following us on Twitter at ICE underscore South Branch or search ICE South Branch on LinkedIn.